If you want to take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John, the first chapter, there's really one verse that I want us to look at today to kind of be our little starting point. We've been talking about this kind of hopefully vision statement that this will guide us over the next however long as we as we consider you know where we're going and how to serve our our community uh, how to be the church of God that this growing together in grace and truth that this becomes the filter that we run things through um, are we growing are we together and is it grace and truth and today we're getting to the grace and truth part of the statement. We've talked about the growing. We've talked about growing together, how we need each other to grow. We've talked about the unity we need, the together part. But the really, the, the, the key of it is the grace and truth. What the world really needs, in my opinion, is grace and truth. And so I want to look at this one verse. 1 John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Beautiful passage talking about the incarnation. We're not far off from Christmas time and we'll be celebrating the incarnation. That's word becoming flesh. And if you know from John, the very first verse, it talks about the word was with God and the word was God. And later on, the word is defined as this is Jesus and, and he's full of grace and truth. We, we talk about Jesus's divinity and his humanity, that he's 100% human and 100% divine at times. Well, he's 100% grace and he's also 100% truth. That he was full of both of these things, grace and truth. And this is really what we want to grow into. This is what we want to become, what we want in us, what we want to be in is grace and truth. Because here's, here's the, the idea. Grace and truth equals Jesus. And so when we're saying this statement, we're saying we want to grow together in Jesus. And particularly, we want to be full of grace and truth. One of my, uh, I guess, favorite Christian singers is a guy named Todd Agnew, and he he had a uh, an album out some number uh, number of years ago called Better Questions. And he has a, he sings this little tune at the beginning of the album where he says, "I got better questions than I do answers," and that's kind of where I'm at today. When it comes to understanding, really uh, understanding grace and truth. What, what we're called to be, being like Jesus, full of grace and truth in the world in which we live in. I have a whole lot more questions than I do answers. Uh, I, I, something that this is really what we're going to have to grow together in. This is something that is going to take us to concentrate on how to be grace and truth in this world. Because what I see happening in churches is, is there's some churches, they get the grace part really well. At the sacrificial, that sacrifice of the truth part. And then there's other churches that get the truth part really well at the sacrifice of the grace part. And the mending together, being full of both grace and truth is quite a quandary. It's quite a question. I'm not even sure how to do it, but I see Jesus doing it well. And if I'm going to grow into Jesus, I've got to learn how to be both grace and truth. If we can harness that. If we can figure out that answers to those questions on how to be both, we will offer the world something it truly needs. Grace and truth. Jesus. 
But we need both. And we've got to find that, that perfect balance of both. And so what I want to do today is it's not something that, that I have all the answers to. But I want us to paint some pictures so we can start to think along what it means to be grace and truth. And so I want us to look at five studies today of grace and truth. Five examples in Jesus' life where he walked in grace and truth. And we start to get a picture of what living like this will be and what we can offer to the world. It's stories that you know and you can think about and ponder a little bit throughout the week. The first one... It's the story of the woman caught in adultery from John's gospel, the eighth chapter. You remember the story, I hope. If not, I'll give you a, a brevity of it, a, a brief overview. This lady's caught by the Pharisees in adultery and she's drug out before Jesus. And they're getting ready. Uh, adultery was a stonable offense. So she could be stoned and killed right there in the presence. And, and so they bring her before Jesus and then he sits down, he kneels down in the, the dirt and he writes. And then he stands up and in verse 7, John 8, John chapter 8, verse 7, he says this. But when they were persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. This is one of the examples of God's greatest grace and truth. This is in Jesus' life. And what I want us to understand from this is that grace and truth comes from, is in recognition of one's own sin. When it comes to us offering grace and truth to other people, it will only come if we recognize first our own sin. It's based in the recognition of one's own sin. That when we come to people who are sinning, we realize that we needed grace too. It's our experience of grace that's what we will offer to others. And if we don't understand grace very well, it may be because we don't understand our sin very well. We don't understand what we've been given. And so we don't have much to give to anyone else. Uh, and, and so if we're going to offer grace and truth, we've got to be honest with where we're at, where we were at, and why we're where we are now. That, that this was God's grace to us. That I'm a sinner who deserves God's punishment, separation from God. But, but God in His grace forgave me, offered up His Son for me that I could freely accept this gift. And I'm not any better than anybody else. That grace is a level playing field. And so if we're going to honor, we got to realize when we're dealing with the world, when they're in the middle of their mess and all of us, all we want to do is hit them with the truth of their sin. If we're going to offer grace, we got to recognize first the grace we've received. It goes on in this story that he, he after he writes this and says this, he kneels back down the ground. He's scratching his finger in the dirt. And uh, in a little while, he stands up and he says this again in verse, 10, in verse 10 and 11. It says, straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on and sin no more. And this is really what I think is the, 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 the essence of grace and truth. This is the, the balancing act that we have such a hard time doing. Because grace and truth is neither condemning or condoning. He said to the woman, I don't condemn you. I'm not going to stone you either. But 
get up and don't sin anymore. He didn't condone her actions. He, he, he corrected her in a loving way. But also she didn't feel condemned. He didn't condemn her and say, you're done for, that's it for you. And finding that perfect balance in a world where, where a world is begging and desiring that everything be condoned, we can't condone. But we also have to do it in such a way that we don't condemn. That we, we love you, we understand where you're at, we, we care for you, we won't hit you with stones. And that's a hard balancing act. Because in our act of not condoning, we slip over into condemning. And if we're not condemning, sometimes we let ourselves become condoning of things. And we have to find this perfect balance of grace and truth, being full of both these things. And I think this is a beautiful example of where Jesus looks at the woman and says, I don't condemn you, but don't do it anymore. Truth and grace mingled perfectly together. Another look at this is... One of the rich young ruler. You may remember this story. There's a young man comes to Jesus and he asks, what must I do to inherit good li- uh, eternal life? He's a good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He recognized the person to go to. He called him good, recognizing that he recognized that he, he was from God. He tells him, you know, keep the commandments and do all these things. The young man says, I've done all that since my youth. And then Jesus says this. I didn't put that verse up, says, looking at him, Jesus felt love for him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all the possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. But at these words, he was saddened and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property that, that Jesus gave him the honesty of the situation and then let him make the decision. And what I want to realize is when we deal with people in the world, when we deal with ourselves, that we got to, the, the grace and truth part is one, to be honest about the situation. He's like, yeah, I know what you've done, but there's one thing you lack. He, he was really honest. You, you've done all these good things, but Jesus was able to hit right at the heart of where the man's weakness was. And he told him very honestly, one thing you lack, go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. The second part of that is allow the individual to make the decision. Jesus tells him what's to, do, what's to do or what he needs to do. And he allows and waits for the reaction from the individual. And then the guy makes a bad choice. And he turns and he walks away saddened. And Jesus runs down behind him and he grabs him and he says, no, wait, you don't understand. You made the wrong choice. I told you what was right. You need to listen to me right now or you're going to hell. No, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus sat there and watched him walk away. And sometimes we got to give grace to people to accept the choice they make. Because a lot of times when we talk to people about the truth, When we try to do that, and we may do it perfectly well in complete grace and truth. And they may make a bad decision. And when they do, we tend to take that personally. You just rejected me. I told you the truth. And you spurned my good judgment. You you think I don't know what I'm talking about. I told you what you needed to do, and you didn't do it. How dare you? And sometimes we just got to give them the grace. To make their choice and turn and walk away. 
It may grieve us. It may make us sad. I suspect that the scriptures don't tell us. But in that case, I imagine Jesus was somewhat heartbroken because he knew the guy loved his money more than he actually loved the Lord. And we got to but but the grace was, let me tell you the truth. Let you make the decision and I will accept that because ultimately it comes down between them and God. Right. And not us. And it's not us. They reject. It's God. They reject. And so we don't have to take that personal. We, we can give them the grace to make bad decisions. That's difficult to do at times. Another instance of what I think this picture of grace and truth looks like is one that we probably should pay a lot more attention to ourselves. It's Jesus talking to a group of Pharisees. Later in Matthew's gospel, the 23rd chapter, there's a there's a series of quotes from Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And they all start out like this one from Matthew 23, verse 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Yeah, actually, there's eight different statements called the eight woes where Jesus talks to the and over and over. Woe to you, you hypocrites. Woe to you, you hypocrites. I want to put this one in there because sometimes, again, we're, we're straining for this balance between grace and truth. And what I want us to realize is sometimes grace and truth can be confrontational. It can be rough. I mean, the things Jesus says to, to these guys is, is strong. You're whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. Uh, I mean, he's really pretty confrontational and harsh with them. But a couple of the points I want to point out is I'm giving you five examples today. This is one of five. That, that this harsh truth, this really confrontational kind of thing is not the is not the norm. It's the exception. And if we are led into a place where we have to be confrontational, it needs to be kind of the last straw. Also, interestingly enough, Jesus is the harshest. His grace and truth is confrontational with who? The religious people. Never with the sinners. It's with the sinners that he shows the most grace. It's with the religious people that he shows the most truth. And I remind you of an idea I I, I talked about a few weeks ago. That we sometimes fall into this, this grace and truth inversion. We, we invert who we're supposed to be gracious with, with who we're supposed to be truthful with. That we're, we're very, very gracious to one another and very, very truthful with the sinners when we're, I think the way we're supposed to be is very gracious with the sinners and very truthful with one another. And, and, and because here's the fact that I believe with all my heart, most of us in this place are our greatest danger that we face by following Christ is becoming a Pharisee. That's what we face in this place, that we can fill our heads with knowledge. We can fill our our brains with all kinds of scripture and know the truth and know what's right. Like these Pharisees did, they knew the scriptures, they knew what was right. They studied, they dedicated their lives to God, and yet they missed it. And we can become the same way, full of knowledge and lacking in action. Full of understanding, but not applying it to our lives. Telling everyone else what they should do and not doing it ourselves. That's the definition of a hypocrite. 
And this is our danger. Some of us may fall in adultery. Some of us may fall into, you know, love of money like these other people did. But all of us face the danger of being a Pharisee. And we have to be really careful that we get that, that we don't let those grace and truth get inverted. And that we hold ourselves, first of all, most accountable to the teaching of God. And then shed that grace and truth on other people. That if we're going to confront anyone, that we confront ourselves first and foremost. And then take grace and truth to the world who needs to hear it. Another example of God's grace and truth that I see Jesus pictured at is the woman at the well. You know the story, Jesus is traveling, he stops by the well, the disciples go into a little town to get some food and some bread, and there's a, it's noontime or the middle part of the day, and this lady comes out, a Samaritan woman, you know, hated by the Jews, you know, uh, comes out to, to uh, get some water, and, and Jesus and her have this interaction with one another. What I want us to see is that grace and truth I'll back up to that. Grace and truth is honest when it's difficult. Now, there's going to be situations we face in the world, and it's going to be very difficult to be gracious and truthful at the same time. But grace and truth is honest even when it's difficult. I want you to see what he says to the lady. To the lady. I believe he says it in a gentle way. In, in verse 4, the first thing he says is, uh, the woman I said to the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I, you, I have no husband. You have five husbands and the one whom you have is, is not your husband. And this you've already said truly. And so Jesus knows her situation. And when she goes, well, I have no husband. He goes, yeah, you're right. You have five of them. You've been kind of loose. And sometimes facing people with the honesty of their situation is going to be very, very difficult. But we've got to figure out how to gracefully be honest when it's difficult. That we can say the truth of a very ugly situation, but say it with grace. We can be honest about it. We don't have to whitewash. We don't have to overlook. We don't have to say, well, I'm just not going to act like I know what's going on in your life. You know, we're just going to not talk about that. No, we need to be honest about it when it's difficult. When the, so be honest about the situation. A little later on, he says something else even more difficult to her. She's, they're talking about the Messiah and, and that one time would come. And he says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when you worship, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his, his worshipers. An area in our world right now that we don't want to be honest about, that, that we don't handle well being grace and truth, is dealing with other people's religion. And we've got to be honest about that too. We've got to be honest about difficult situations, but we've got to be honest about religion too. We've got to be honest about the facts of faith. And that, that some people think it's wrong to talk to other people of, of another religion and maybe point out, you're believing wrongly. And we've got to figure out how to talk to people who believe in false gods, wrong gods, or have wrong faith. And, and say it in a way that's honest and true and gracious. Now, see, look, he says to her, you don't even know what you're worshiping. 
You don't know what you're doing. Let me correct you and, and help you understand. And I believe he did it graciously. Because this lady goes off to town and tells everybody in town, Hey, I've come. He reveals himself to her. First of all, he says, I am the Messiah. She goes off to town, talks to all the people in town, says, I think I found the Messiah. Could this be him? And at the end of the story, she brings everybody from town out to meet Jesus. If she had felt condemned, if she had been offended, was she like, I don't even listen to him no more. I ain't. No, she's so encouraged by who he is that she goes and finds other people and brings them to meet Jesus. Interestingly enough, the disciples were in the same town and all they brought back was a loaf of bread. They didn't bring anybody with them. The, the, the disciples didn't bring anybody out of town to come see Jesus. The Samaritan woman, she goes and gets everybody and says, come meet this guy. And many believed after they heard. And so we got to figure out how to be honest in those difficult situations. Difficult situations and even addressing people's religion. That can be a gracious need. Now, like I said, I got better questions than I do answers. I know this is what we need to do. How to do all these things, we're going to grow together in that part. And the final example, Zacchaeus, little man up in a tree, right? You know the story, tax collector, uh, frauded all kinds of people, hated by everybody, used by the Romans to oppress his own people. I mean, you know, Benedict Arnold of the day. I mean, there's not much to say about this guy that's good. I want you to look at Jesus' interaction with him. At the end of the day, Jesus comes down, you know, he calls him out of the tree. He's a little short guy, and he's got to climb a tree so he can see Jesus. Jesus sees him in the tree. He says, come down, I've got to eat at your house today. Interestingly enough, think about the grace of that. The, the most despised character in all of town is who Jesus goes and has supper with. There's grace and truth right there. Anyway, he gets through his supper, and Zacchaeus replies to Jesus. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of all my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Our master's job. He said he came to seek and save the lost. If that's what our master was doing, does that imply anything for his followers? And interestingly enough, though, I want to point out one thing about the grace and truth here. Grace and truth still means repentance. Zacchaeus was in, Jesus came with him, had supper with him, and, he, and, and Jesus gets up and he doesn't say, when Zacchaeus stands up and says, okay, I'm going to give back, you know, the people I stole from and I'm going to give part of it. Oh, no, no, you don't need to do that. You've been saved by grace. You don't, you don't have to, to do something different. You don't have to make recompense. You don't have to change your ways. It's grace, man. Don't worry about it. No, he was given grace 
And Jesus was honest and Jesus accepted his repentance. I'm going to pay back. I'm going to do right. I'm going to change my ways. And when he makes that testimony, what I believe is a testimony of repentance, I'm going to be different than I used to be. Jesus says, all right, today salvation showed up at this place. And so because we're going to be gracious, we're fighting this. We're fighting for this middle ground, full of grace, full of truth, grace. And truth still calls for repentance, too. So anyway, that's five little studies on what this grace and truth looks like. We see it perfectly in Jesus. Jesus was full of grace and truth. May we be in a world that needs it all. Grace and truth. Because they need Jesus.